It's a cold night. I'm sitting here next to Selena. Welcome to Time to Adapt. We break down the movies and the books behind them. I didn't sanction this. I'm your co-host, Max Schaefer. Over there on my right is Graham Zima, eating honey bunches of oats. Like the boss he is. Selena's giving me that slight giggle laugh that's like, I don't know if I like this, <laughs> and I don't know if I'm okay with this, but I'm letting him go because in my time, I know that I cannot stop Mac once he starts something. Exactly. That's Yeah, that's, that's, that's an accurate depiction of me. Yeah. From me, by me. Anyways, hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Also, just to explain, we're talking about Sin City, so that's yeah. where that that intro came from, I guess. Yes, I, I was I was trying to do a gumshoe detective voiceover. Bravo! Thank you. <laughs> I, I woke up and I thought about oh, I got to do this on the thing. I don't want to tell Selena because she might vote me down. So I just waited. <laughs> and lo and behold, here we are. <laughs> Lo and behold, here we are. (laughs) So yes, we're covering Frank Miller's Sin City. Woo! Yeah. (laughs) And we're going to be talking, we're going to be talking mostly about the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, The the first film and the books that are... The books that are based off of that one. Um, We're not, I mean, like, we're going to talk a little bit about Dame to Kill For, the the movie, um, mainly because, like, the only really one that's worth talking about is the A Dame to Kill For segment in that movie. The rest of that movie is... It's not that good. <laughs> but we can probably get into that a little bit. So, anyway. So, Selena, when was the first time you got you heard about Sin City? Um, I think I've always seen, like, the, the film around, but I never... Like, I've always... It's always been on my list, but I just never got around to watching it. Like, I, I liked what drew me to the... The film was uh, just how stylized it was, so that intrigued me. But I just never got around to watching it until we discussed doing it for the show. Yeah. Um, and I'm always like trying to expand like the comics and the and the graphic novels that I read. So yeah. Um. It, yeah. I. I. This. The show is my intro <laughs> to it all, which is kind of cool. Yeah. What about you, Mac? Uh, it's kind of a funny story. So. Um, when the movie came out, it was like one of my big things. I'm like, oh my God, I got to see this movie. But of course, you know, I was 12 when it came out. And my mom was like, yeah, you're not going to go see this. I'm not, <laughs> I was 11 actually. I was 11. But like, I just loved, I loved the whole black and white aspect and the mm-hmm. the vibe of like, I kind of, I thought it was like a, a, a noir, noir. Super, I thought it was a noir superhero movie at first. Oh, okay. Um, so this was around the time where I was going going through a really rough patch in um grade in middle grade to middle school, um, and I actually ended up based off of Sin City. I wrote a graphic a graphic novel, like a whole comic book thing, out of an empty spiral notebook, and I called it the Slaughtering. And I don't remember anything about <laughs> it because I literally made it up as I went along. I would like draw out the panels mm-hmm. and just randomly draw like, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And I know I still have that somewhere in my house back home. And I am adamant that I will find it one day because 
That'd be a fun, interesting like window into I got like eleven year old Mac. I got two hundred <laughs> pages in. I mean, damn. I was like, I mean, like that's more dedication than I ever had when it came to like creative writing or whatever. And if it tells you anything about it, I remember finishing it and then just putting it away and never touching it again. So that it's should tell you how a I treasure. It's obviously <laughs> a, a piece of a genius that's going to be found and someone's going to skyrocket you into the one percent <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah people it's it, it's going to happen <laughs> that's his that's his meal ticket <laughs> so yeah um so yeah it's it means a lot like it meant a lot to me like i'm not sure sin city itself meant a lot more of like the fact that i did that mm-hmm. because i was because i saw how cool like the idea of like black and white with certain segments colorized, so like the blood being colorized or the color of a character's eye, uh, eyes colored, um, or like an entire cock, a character whose entire skin color is yellow. That's mm-hmm. just, that shit was like, fuck, that's cool. <laughs> that's so cool. You know, Middle just school my 11 year old mind was like, dude. <laughs> and so of, of course, once it finally was like released on DVD, I just rented it from the library because my librarian didn't give a shit. It was like, <laughs> Those this is rated R, Mac. I'm like, and it's like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Sin City is a series of neo-noir comics by Frank Miller. Frank Miller is probably best known as the, uh, create the comic book creator of Ronin, which if you know, Samurai Jack, it owes almost everything to Ronin. It's kind of the same kind of idea where like a samurai comes to the future to fight a evil demonic entity. It's crazy. Um, Daredevil Born Again, which is one of the be- like probably the best known Daredevil story arc. Mm-hmm. Also because he introduced Elektra. That's a Frank oh, Miller yeah. character. Um, his all other big uh, claim to fame is probably one of the best known graphic novels besides Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, which uh, was this Batman story that's like I think it, it's my favorite Batman graphic novel. Okay. Um, it's there's a great adaptation of it. Uh, it's, it's a cartoon version where Peter Weller voices Batman, and it's really cool. Okay, I highly recommend it. He also did Batman Year One, another one of the m- most well known uh, Batman comics, and Three Hundred. So he's got a lot. He's done a lot, and um, through that. He also wrote the Ninja Rap so- song that Vanilla Ice sang in no Teenage shit. Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. Yep. Oh my Frank God. fucking a, Miller did that. What a throwback. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. So the first Sin City story showed up in Dark Horse Presents the 5th Anniversary Special. Um, and it was serialized um, in 13 parts. And that was the hard goodbye. And... In the in the Sin City world, there are, there are th- seven stories. There's mm-hmm. the Hard Goodbye, A Dame to Kill for, The Big Fat Kill, um, That Yellow Bastard, Family Values, Booze, Broads, and Bullets, and Helen Back. Of those, the ones that were adapted onto the into the movie were Hard Goodbye, Big Fat Kill, Yellow Bastard. Um, in the first one, as well as the short story, The Customer is Always Right, which was actually just a proof of concept so they could get funding to make the movie. And in the second one, uh, A Dame to Kill For was the main one that was in it, but there's also a 
the long hard night i think it's called mm-hmm. was a uh, a short story on in booze broads and bullets yeah and i read uh, a dame to kill for the episode cuz i kind of got a little mixed up on the order so but i yeah i got like we'll talk a bit more about his stylings in a bit but it's it's so interesting yeah. like it's I don't know, it's very specific and just pow in your face kind of yeah. stylings. His his whole Miller's explanation for like what where the inspiration for it all came from is in his words, I've been a fanatic for a long time for old crime movies and old crime novels. But it started with the movies. I love just how the morals of the stories are. They're all about right and wrong. But in Sin City in particular, I wanted them all to happen in a world where virtuous behavior was rare which greatly represent resembled the world I lived in. I wanted it to be a world out of balance, where virtue is defined, de- defined by individuals in difficult situations, not by an overwhelming sense of goodness that was somehow governed by this godlike comics code. It is very grimy. Like, oh, God. The world is so just grimy and dark, and the characters look... Like, I can't remember that one character's name in The Dame to Kill, but he's just, like, bulbous and just, I don't know. It's like the, the the killer character or the misshapen never mind. Oh no, 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 no. Oh yeah, yeah. That Christopher Lloyd plays. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Doc Doc Brown plays him. It's yeah, it's like no one looks pleasing. Like it's not a pleasing world. Well, I I'll, I will say this. The men don't look pleasing. Oh, no. The, the women, women do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking specifically about yeah. the men. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. women look positively like gorgeous compared to the men yep. characters and the world that he created and just everything's so dark and grimy and just uh, it does not look like a comfortable world or a world that you would want to live in like for I don't know for most for most stories I like to like imagine myself in that world with these characters and while reading Dame to kill. I'm like, you know, I'm perfectly fine being the reader. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are certain characters where, like, as long as I don't cross them, I wouldn't mind like hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Marv is definitely a character that I don't want to get on his bad side, but I think if I had, if I got a few beers with him, I'd get some good stories out of him. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so through this, um, what we can transition a little bit into the movies. So, the film was, the first film, which was released on April 1st, 2004, um, it actually um, screened at the Cannes Film Festival, and it was, it was something where, like, Robert Rodriguez loved the comics, mm-hmm. and he wanted to make a movie out of this, but when he told Frank Miller about it, Miller didn't really know what to do about that. He's like, I don't think this would work. I don't know what you're thinking about. So what he did was he told Frank, what if, how about I fly you down to Austin, Texas? Because, you know, Robert Rodriguez, his studio is in Austin, Texas. I got some actors. We'll do a shoot. We'll shoot a short uh, three-minute proof of concept. And within nine hours, Rodriguez, who famously, like, shoots his own stuff, like, he's behind the camera Mm -hmm. shooting stuff, and he cuts his own stuff. Um he managed to shoot this three-minute scene in about nine hours, which is unheard of. And finally, when he had finished it, uh, 
Miller was like, okay, I, I'm in. Let, let, let's do this. And when he did, oh, by the way, the, the proof of concept was the customer is always right. That ends up in the, um, the, the movie itself. Oh, okay. So part of how they shot stuff was it was almost like 90% green screened. I mean, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was all green screened. And certain actors wouldn't even like really meet face to face. So the whole scenes with like Elijah Wood as uh, the cannibal Kevin, Elijah Wood never met any, never met Mickey Rourke on set. He was never like, and like even though there are scenes where the two of them are together, that were just he was just digitally in, put into that scene. The same with Rutger Hauer because Rutger Hauer was um, the late Rutger Hauer was the Cardinal Rourke. He ended up being um, like the one of the last people they ever cast. So he had shot his scenes nine months after Mickey Rourke shot his scenes. So yeah. it was, it was yeah, it's kind of crazy how just like a lot of the scenes, like several of the sheen, scenes were shot uh, before all the actors had were signed on and that stands were used and just be, yeah, just being digitally ass um, added in post. Um, yeah. It's kind of a wild process. Yeah. So um, one of the other kind of uh, shticks that this movie has is that it has a special guest director, Quentin Tarantino. So when they say special guest director, basically there's one scene during the big fat kill sequence that Quentin Tarantino was behind the camera for. And that was the scene where uh, uh, Clive Owen was um, Clive Owen's character. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He's driving with the corpse of Jackie boy. Mm. And like, he has the, the scene where uh, Jackie boy starts talking to him and he's like, it's all in his head. That whole dialogue, everything with that, that was Quentin Tarantino. Surprisingly, no feet, (laughs) no feet. That was a, that was a bold move, Quentin. You just, you really. He put, kept it. He kept, he kept it, it inside. He kept it together. <laughs> He's like, I will not put my kink into yeah. this scene. No kink for this one. <laughs> no. So, um, really quickly, for those who uh, I realized that I kind of jumped the jumped the gun on this. For those who don't know what the film, it, what the first film is is really based off of. It's it's based off the first, third, and fourth books in the comic series. So, the Hard Goodbye, which is about Marv a man who goes on this brutal rampage in search of um, the killer of his one-night stand, uh, killing everyone, anyone, including the police that get in the way of finding and killing her murderer. Then there's the big fat kill, which is about a guy who's caught in a street war between a group of prostitutes that run this set section, of, uh, the section of the city and a group of Irish mercenaries, and the police... And the mob. And then that yellow bastard, which is about an aging, an old police officer protecting a young woman from a serial killer. And the, and the, 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 the on the short story, the customer is always right. Mm. And uh, the, the film stars Jessica Alba, Benicio del Toro, Brittany Murphy, Clive Owen, Mickey Rourke, Bruce Willis, and Elijah Wood with featured scenes with Alexis Bedell, Michael Clark Duncan, Rosario Dawson, Carla Gugino, Rooker Howard, Jamie King, Michael Madsen, Nick Stahl, and Mackenzie Vega. Also an early appearance by Nick Offerman prior to... Oh, shit. Yeah, he has a very small scene. That's kind of Wait, really which, which scene was it? Um, in The Hard Goodbye, he's one of the uh, the two goons who are like 
they're instructed to like take to make sure Marv is dead, but like they're obsessed with their with the car that they're driving. Oh, okay. So there's though so he's just there talking about the car the entire time. It's just like thing of beauty. It's a real thing of beauty. I can't remember that. Was did he have his mustache or no mustache? I I don't think he had a mustache. Okay, that's he was he had a shaved why. head. He had a shaved head. That okay. was okay. That's probably why, because like the mustache is such a staple. He he looks like a totally different person without a mustache. Yeah, he it's, does. It's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's also funny because like he's got that that death stare, but then when he giggles, it's the most. Oh my pure god! Thing. It's the cutest thing. <laughs> it's the cutest little giggle. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> so Sin City opened to wide critical and commercial success. It got recognition for its unique color processing. Which, as we said earlier, it rendered most of the film in black and white with retaining and adding color for selected objects. It was screened at the Cannes Film Festival in competition and won the technical grand prize for the film's visual shaping. The photography began on March 29, 2004, and several of the scenes were shot before every actor had signed on. As a result, several stand ins were used before the actual. Yeah, we. we, we we, we pretty punch talked about that, but yeah. yeah. Um, I realized I made a mistake here. I had said earlier that it was released April 1st, 2004. It was released in 2005. Mm. My bad. Sorry. I'm I will terrible. hate you forever for that, Mac. I know. <laughs> You're you dead to You'll just have to deal with it. <laughs> you just have to put up with me. So, anyway. So, the movie was... Um, it was noted for how Robert Rodriguez planned to stay faithful to the source material, unlike other a lot of other comic book adaptations where they try to kind of make their own idea with it. You know, they kind of try to adapt it to like what they envision, like how I don't know because I feel to like, make it more Hollywood esque. Yeah, I, I guess I don't one know. big one big um, uh, one that you could point out there would be like Zack Snyder's Watchmen, kind of went mm-hmm. for a more Hollywood vibe or. Yeah. Uh, the Crow, as much as I love The Crow, it was very much kind of more Hollywoodized. Yeah, they're uh, they're like, I don't know, with Watchmen, like it's it's close enough to the books where it's not... It's still faithful. It's still faithful, but it's definitely more showy and a little bit, in some, in some aspects, a little toned down. Yeah. Um, so one thing that... Um, Another people, another thing that people notice about the film is that a lot of the scenes are shot by shot from the comics. Mm-hmm. Just like even the panels, the way the camera is angled, the way the mo- the camera moves, all of it very much set up exactly like in the com in the comics. Yeah, Rodriguez stated that he considered the film to be less of an adaptation um, than a translation. So, oh, yeah, that was kind of like his creative approach to it which definitely reads yeah. when watching it it is very much like you're just i don't know it's it feels very much like it's been brought to life rather than yeah and because of that there was no screenwriter writing in the credits it was simply based on the graphic novels by frank miller there were several minor changes of course like trimming dialogue some colorizing objects and the removal of some nudity and some edited violence uh, there was a a extended uh, recut a version of Sin City where it's a lot more similar to the book. Um, yeah. But instead what what happens is instead of like certain things overlapping, 
they're all like, you just can just watch the hard goodbye story. You could just watch the big fat kill story. You could just watch the customer's always right segment. And that's how it's set up. And it's like two and a half hours long compared to the regular two hour running time. Mm-hmm. I had watched that in preparation for this episode. Oh, okay. Um, and it's, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. And like they're told it's in chronological order. Cause like the hard goodbye we're going to get in a little bit of a spoiler territory here. Um, the hard goodbye is about Marv and he dies in the end of volume one, but he keeps showing up later in um, like volume two, three, four, all because in the chron- in the chronologic and the order, the hard goodbye is technically the last story in the Sin City universe. So, you know, is it's interesting uh just the way they set it up mm-hmm. so wait would you recommend watching that like two hour and 30 minute version versus the theatrical release i would say that the theatrical release works well on its own it's the the recut version that's really more for the fans okay so if you loved you love the movie Give the recut version a shot because it's it, it's more of the same. You know, it's only like an extra 20 minutes of scenes. Uh, a couple more grisly uh, deaths and that's about it, really. Uh, a the, couple the, more dialogues. A couple more dialogues, you know. <laughs> Sounded pretty uh, Canadian there. About, about it. Yes, about it. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, Unfortunately, though, the uh, one of the other things that uh, Sin City has a uh, bit of a curse under its belt. That curse being its producer, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. He who must not be named. He who must not be named. <laughs> um, so because the film was a big success, immediately uh, there was talk about a sequel. And Miller was like, yeah, I, I'm okay with that. But also... The, um, him and Rodriguez had written this script, but it took forever because the Weinsteins were taking their sweet ass time with making the film or with, yeah. with development. So they finally got it out and it was released on August 22nd, 2014 sin city, a dame to kill for. I remember seeing it in theaters because the very next day I drove out to Milwaukee to go to my, my dorm for the first time too. Okay. Wow. So that was a weird reason. I, I remember driving to Riverview and thinking, man, that movie sucked. (laughs) So yeah, with a dame to kill for it's, it can, it's comprised of a dame to kill for the, the story, as well as another story that was in, um, booze, broads and bullets and two new stories. Um, one of the new stories being sort of a, a sequel to that yellow bastard where it's the character of Nancy Callahan um, she's still a stripper, and she's haunted by the death of Hardigan, who was played mm-hmm. by Bruce Willis, and how she tries to get revenge on his death by trying to kill uh, Senator Rourke, who's like the big bad guy in the whole story. Mm-hmm. So it's not that great. The dame, okay, the dame to kill for segment is great, and that's just because of two words: Eva Green. My God. Sorry, I sorry. I love her. Excuse me, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to get a little too much in here, but, you know, it's Eva Green, and she's, like, naked in almost every movie she does. <laughs> like, I probably should have realized 
that I wasn't straight when I kept like trying to seek out Eva Green movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I just remember Eva Green and Kira Knightley were like my gay awakening. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was Ryan Gosling, but that's kind of like an o- an open secret. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that you want to fuck Ryan Gosling. I, I don't want him to fuck me. I want him to <laughs> come in on a white horse and just kick me on the back of the white horse and just ride off into the sunset. That's what I want. Okay. <laughs> I can dream Selena, okay? <laughs> that's totally fine. Okay. It's okay to fantasize. <laughs> okay. <sighs> However, lately, lately, you know, lately I've been thinking about Tom Holland, but you know. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> a Dame to Kill For was a box office bomb. Uh, a lot of people re- thought that um, the effects, despite them very being pretty much the exact same thing as the first movie, it didn't work. It didn't look right. And part of that, I think, is because they shot it digitally. Mm. And the di- like when when you take like a cool like CGI stuff and you show it on film, you 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 buy the CGI more because it's a little more grainy, and it's harder to kind of recognize. When it's digital and you shoot it digitally, you you edit it digitally and you put it out digitally, it doesn't look the same. That that's my opinion. Mm. Um, I think also just like the CGI just doesn't really read well from what I like. I, I didn't I haven't seen Sin City a Dame to kill for. Um, but just from clips and the trailers and stuff that I've seen of it, it's just like, mm. yeah. Also, the one of the other big changes they made for this movie was that um, Josh Brolin plays the character of Dwight, who was played by Clive Owen in the first movie. Oh, yeah. I was hoping that they were going to address that because in the Dame to Kill for Dwight starts off as a bald man and something happens where like he gets like almost he almost dies and is almost gunned down. And in res- in response, he gets surgery and the surgery makes him look like a different person so he can hunt down uh, Eva, mm-hmm. Ava in the in the movie, in, in the comic I was hoping that it was going to be Josh Brolin and then when he comes out of surgery, it was going to be Clive Owen because I thought that would have been really cool because that's basically how it is in the the, the comic. But no, no, he just has a weird wig on. (laughs) And now I'm just like, oh, hi, Thanos. (laughs) So... Yeah. Also, Lady Gaga's in the movie for some oh, reason. Oh, yeah. I, fr- I remember that from um, the trailers. Yeah. They were like, oh, my God, Lady Gaga. Christopher Lloyd's having the time of his life playing the uh, the crazy, I think he was like a Nazi character. I can't remember. I haven't seen the movie since it was in theaters. So I just have only, I only watched the Dame to Kill for a segment because that's the only one that matters, people. <laughs> so... Anyway, the film was a bomb. It grossed $39 million on its $65 million budget. Uh, a month earlier to the uh, release at Comic-Con, Frank Miller was asked, is there going to be a third Sin City film? And he said, well, it depends on if you all go out and see the new one. Nobody did. Well, <laughs> not at least half of them didn't. So that's And the people the question. who did really didn't like it. Yeah. So. That <laughs> is one. Yeah. So, however, that's not the end of Sin City. 
as Dimension Films has announced that they're developing a soft reboot of the series for television. Stephen Leheru, who produced the second film, will oversee the series with Frank Miller. It'll be with new characters and timelines and be more like the comics rather than the films. Kind of sounds like what they're doing with Watchmen right now. Okay, can we quickly talk about Watchmen? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with like one. I haven't seen the the show yet because I'm waiting f- till I can like I have a little bit more chunk okay. of time to like dive into it and binge because okay. I'm, I'm not so going to spoil excited. anything. I'll just say that it's so hard to get weird ass Alan Moore right when it's not Alan Moore. Mm-hmm. This show gets that right. And like I'm only there's only four episodes out, but at the time of recording this episode, and like every episode is freaking god tier, so good, and it's oh god, it's so great, so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan. There was a moment. Uh, I, again, it's kind of hard to say it without talking about it, but we're I was watching it with our mutual friend Thomas. And we were just cheering at the screen. <laughs> and I think when you watch it, you'll know the scene. Okay. You will know it when it happens. And you, you're going to text me. Okay. And you're going to text Thomas, too. So. Okay. <laughs> so. I promise I will. Yeah. Who knows? So, maybe in the future we'll, we'll do like a mini. Like a mini-sode about, the mini, about that series and about how, it, how it's set up. Yeah. yeah. That would be fun. Because uh, everything I'm hearing about it is great. But, I yeah, I like this idea of kind of going this like the Watchmen direction with Sin City. I think that would be super successful if it's done well and Absolutely. it's done right. But since Frank Miller's involved, like it's got a better chance of that. Yeah, because Alan Moore is famous for not oh. having anything to do with his He's a film adaptations man. ever since uh V for Vendetta. Yeah. So anyway, I thought it would be uh before we get to the conclusion here, I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about some other neo noir comics because there are a lot of them, and they happen to be my favorite type of comic books. Also, like, just quick note about Sin City. Like, Sin City kind of stands out in that genre because of how, just, I guess, the creative thought behind, like, the the, the panels and um, just, like, the stark black and white. Yes. And, um, so it's, like, Sin City kind of put helped kind of establish a, a good base for like later uh, neo-noir. Absolutely. Graphic novels. I think like at the time though, um, noir graphic novels just, they didn't go as like haywire. Yeah. They'd go as balls to the wall as Sin City did. Yeah. Like you're like, you want crazy, uh, you want crazy camera, you want crazy angles? Here are crazy angles. Mm-hmm. You want some like, absurd evil villains here's some like absurdly evil villains and here are nazis and crazy japanese assassins named mio yeah deadly little mio she's awesome so some other ones that i think that people should seek out if you are and if you like sin city and you want more of that one that's a little more grounded uh, grounded in like reality is the fade out by ed brubacker um, a lot of the best noir setup right now is done by Ed Brubacker. He also co-wrote the uh, TV show, the Amazon TV show, Too Old to Die Young by Nicholas Winding Refn. Hmm. So 
He's also done a show called a uh, uh, graphic novel called Fatal, which is oh, yeah. amazing, and it's basically a film noir but with H.P. Lovecraft. So it's some spooky shit. Some really fucking spooky shit. Um, but the fade out is sort of like L.A. Confidential, sort of. Okay. Okay. Because it's there's like a big conspiracy, and it's all from the perspective of a screenwriter who's like witnessing the whole thing and being told to turn a blind eye, that kind of stuff. Um, other ones that are a little more out there, um, I was just telling you about this one, yeah. Black Sad, which is this just fantastic comic series that's pretty much like a hard R Zootopia. So imagine, yeah. like, yeah, that's that's the best way to describe it. That, there's, yeah, there, there's no, like, other way to, like, the all the characters are animals, but... Mm-hmm humanoid absolutely and yeah. it's what's why <laughs> it's wild just oof. so those are some ones that i would like off the top of my head i would recommend there's there's plenty that you can look for so mm-hmm. please go check out your local comic book comic book store and find some stuff there's there's a lot in this genre that like you can dive into like the stories are so rich i don't know neorar is like such a fun Oh yeah, genre to dive into, but definitely, yeah. So I I had fun with this episode, just like with reading, uh, just kind of getting into Sin City. I want to go back and like start off with, um, oh my gosh, what's the first one? Hard the hard goodbye. Hard goodbye. I'll, I'll lend you my copy, um, because just so I could have like a better intro, kind of start at the beginning. Because I what I read of uh, a Dame to Kill for, I was like. This is some spooky shit. <laughs> no, like there's hardly like they're not. I don't know. I find stories where the characters aren't super likable really intriguing because mm-hmm. you just kind of want to know if it's they. More if like they, reality. Yeah, it's a little bit more like reality. But then part of you wants them to be redeemable. But if they continue to not be, it's it's, it's just interesting. It's an interesting yeah. like look at humanity. Definitely, um, but. But for as like for an adaptation, like spot on, like this is. I wouldn't have anything really negative to say about it, like especially like for the first film. Yeah. With the second, the 2014 one, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's got it's it's got its moments. But just if if you're into like super stylized, just kind of out there, like Sin City is where it's at. Oh, yeah. Like, like I remember when I first watched 300, I was like, first off, like this is super, super, super stylized, but the watching Sin City, I was like, oh, this is super stylized. Like, off topic. 300 has not aged well. Oh no, it has not. <laughs> we'll get into that one soon. <laughs> so the comic's great. I read that's true. that, oh, I yeah. read that oh, in yeah. high school, but yeah. <laughs> All right. But it's a good adaptation. Yes, <laughs> That's <indeed>. my conclusion. <laughs> I agree. It's good. It's fun. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And you can't go wrong with like. With a comic book film like this, you know, I don't know, like just like as a viewing experience. Yeah. Like if you go, if, if you're, if you're into this type of storytelling and like, you'll probably have a good time. Go hog wild, y'all. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. All right. Oh, everyone. 
found me, Selena. Where can we find you on the interwebs? Um, I can never remember any of my handles, but it's on Instagram. It's Selena M. Alan, I think. <laughs> I'm really terrible at memorizing all of my stuff. Um, you can just find me. <laughs> you can find me at Maxi Great on Instagram, on Twitter. You can follow our podcast on Time to Adapt Podcast on Instagram. And with that all being said, we want to hear from you all. So please shout out to our Gmail, time to adapt Zima at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought about Sin City. Let us know about whatever movie you just saw based on a book and you want to hear us talk about. Did you see Dr. Sleep? We talked about Dr. Sleep because I just saw Dr. Sleep and I loved it. And I want to talk to people about that. And I know for a fact, like come January or February, we're going to cover it with like a dual shining episode. So, yeah. And always like, please leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. You know, give uh, on Apple podcasts, follow us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, find us on all the places, all the places. <laughs> and with that being said, thanks for listening. And until next time, this has been time to adapt. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>